0: Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. We'd like to greet all of our return listeners once again and welcome you. And if you are a brand new listener, we are glad that you came and we pray that you won't leave here like you Like you came in Jesus' name. You know why? If you stay tuned for the next 30 minutes, you're going to be exposed to the Word of God. And if that Word, that seed, uh, finds a good ground heart, it will bring forth fruit 30, 60 And a hundredfold. I didn't say it was going to be doubled. I said it's going to be multiplied today. So we say it often in our services in, uh, that, that you won't leave here like you came in Jesus name because the word of God has the power to change if you're a sinner and you're lost and you hear the gospel and you heed the gospel and you repent of your sin and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior you won't leave here like you came in Jesus name if you're a Christian today and, and you have come to a place of seeming spiritual stagnancy or stagnation and you want to move forward you want to go on you're at the right place to begin that journey forward again and that is where you expose yourself to the word of god you know god said of his own word in the old covenant uh, that his word is like the rain that comes down out of heaven and the snow that watereth the earth and causes it to bring forth and to bud. So shall the word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It will accomplish that that I desire and prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Well, we just believe today, dear friends, that God is sending His word to you so that you can make spiritual progress, (laughs) hallelujah, in your life today. Well, we've got a great subject. We've been teaching sequential on true worship because it is an important subject. We have all kinds of forms of worship. Man has all kinds of method to worship God, but God is looking for something that is very simple and very sincere. Man looks at the outward appearance. Remember, God looks at the heart. Praise God. And he wants the whole person and the whole life to be involved in worship. I like what Ralph Waldo Emerson once said. He said, The gods we worship write their names on our faces. Be sure of that. And a man will worship something. Have no doubt about that either. He may think that his tribute is paid in secret, in the dark recesses of his heart, but it will out. That which dominates will determine his life and character. Therefore it behooves us to be careful what we worship, for what we are worshiping we are becoming." I want to read you a story from, uh, it's very brief. It came out of World War II uh, in in 1945. And uh, this newsman that told this story was Clarence W. Hall. And he followed the American troops through Okinawa in 1945. He and his Jeep driver came upon a small town that stood out as a beautiful example of Christian community. He wrote and I quote We had seen other ok- Okinawan villages down at the heels and despairing. By contrast this shone like a diamond in a dung heap. Everywhere we were we were greeted by smiles and dignified bows. Proudly the old man, old men showed us their spotless homes, their terraced fields, their storehouses and granaries, their prized sugar mill. Hall said that he saw no jails and no drunkenness and that divorce was unknown in this village. I want you to think about this today. He, he, he told, I'm, I'm continuing to quote now, he was told that an American missionary had come there some 30 years earlier. While he was in the village, he had led two elderly townspeople to Christ and left them with a Japanese Bible. These new believers studied the scripture and started leading their fellow villi- villagers to Christ. Hall's Jeep driver said he was amazed at the difference between this village and the others around it. He remarked, and again I quote, So this is what comes out of only a Bible and a couple of old guys who wanted to live like jesus that's the foundation friend for true worship jesus said they that worship god the time is coming now is that they that worship god must worship him in spirit and in truth for the lord god seeketh such to worship him praise god amen Gordon Dahl put it more succinctly when he said, Most people tend to worship their work, work at their play, and play at their worship. We've got a lot of that going on today. And and once again, I love Christian entertainment. It has a place, but it cannot take the place of true worship. Because true worship is focused on God, to glorify Him, to magnify Him, to show gratitude to Him. Someone said to worship God in spirit and in truth means that we worship the true God. It means that our worship should be in honesty and integrity. It means that our worship should be spiritual, full of passion, engaging the whole person and supernatural in nature. I like that. You see, this is the highest calling of every believer. In fact, Christians are compared with Old Testament priests. In the Old Testament, priests offered sacrifices to God. According to the New Testament, we are all priests who offer sacrifices as well. In the Old Testament, the priests would offer animals and burnt offerings as New Testament priests. We offer a different kind of sacrifice, but a sacrifice Nonetheless, in fact, in the New Testament, we offer our our body, the container of our spirit and our soul, amen, the whole of our being to God, a living sacrifice, amen. In First Peter 2, 4 and 5, we read, And coming to him as to a living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. A few verses later in verse 9 we read, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That's what peculiar means in the King James uh, Version, Uh, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, friend, here we're told that we're a royal priesthood and that our job is to offer up spiritual sacrifices what are these spiritual sacrifices? I think Hebrews thirteen fifteen tells us. There we read, "...through Him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name." The foundation for true worship is offering the whole of our being unto him. And and another layer of that foundation is to do it out of gratitude for all that He has done for us. You know, David in the Old Testament said, what shall I render unto God for all His benefits unto me? What, what should be the proper and requisite response to all of His grace and goodness and mercy toward my life? <laughs> and and he really answered that in Psalm 103, didn't he? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. See, the spiritual sacrifices that we're to offer is the sacrifice of praise from a life that is fully and wholly devoted unto him. What is this praise? It is the fruit of our lips. In other words, it's verbal, vocal Praise. Amen. See, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're beginning to approach the very person and presence of God, but we enter his courts. When that which is in our heart, the gratitude and the love and the devotion is expressed with our very voice and our lips, we enter His courts with praise and we do it joyfully because another portion of Scripture says in the Psalms, we come before His presence with singing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah this The passage in Hebrews corresponds to another passage in Hosea in hosea fourteen one and two we read hosea fourteen one and two, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity, take with you words and turn to the Lord, say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously so we will render the calves of our lips hallelujah amen the fact that the words uh, that of, of of praise that we offer god are considered calves of our lips is further evidence that praise is the sacrifice we offer to God as New Testament priests and believers. You know, that's the wonderful thing about true worship. It 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 is not just just singing, it is not just saying amen. It becomes an actual spiritual sacrifice just like when we offer at the total of our being, our body, and all that contains within it uh, to God. It becomes a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That's what we want our praise to be, holy and acceptable unto God. Therefore, it is a very high calling. Entering into true praise and worship is not an option for any true believer It's a command of God. It's an imperative that we come to understand and practice true biblical praise and worship. Someone wrote me that was listening to this series recently and said, I want to worship God acceptably. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, friend, there's a lot of people that worship false gods, but we are worshipers of the true and the living God. This is not about just choosing the music we like best or choosing the the song praise team we like to watch because of their exuberance. This is when we lose sight of all of that and we focus singularly upon the Lord and His grace, His mercy, His goodness. Praise God. Friend of mine, I want you to know that there are many forms of worship But Christians, above all the peoples of the earth, worship the true and the living God. People say, what about all the people who worship their God? Because they don't know any better. Surely God will accept them if they're sincere in their worship, won't he? No. No. Biblically speaking, no. You know, we need to just go ahead and say, no, not try to circumvent the real issue here. It is unacceptable to God for anyone to worship a non-God because he is a jealous God and he will not tolerate the worship of another. This is very true. I'll just, I will just—I don't have time to read it all, but I'll give you the scripture, Exodus 34 and 14 and Isaiah 48 and verse 11. Listen, the world worships false gods. Look at Romans 1. In verse 21, we read, When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. Now, frankly, that just means that they wouldn't worship Him or give Him glory, praise, thanks, homage, or adoration. They refused to worship God, which is unacceptable. So he gave them up to uncleanness, verse 24, unto vile affections, verse 25, and ultimately to their judgment in verse 32. In fact, when they refused to worship God, they began to make images like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. In verse 23, in other words, they turned to idols. Everybody worships and while we're talking about idolatry, we might visualize some of the pagan gods represented by a Buddha or or some other uh, 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 man-made god that you can see an idol, a representation of their god. But I want you to know the ultimate idolatry is the worship of self. You know, the scripture said in the last days, perilous times will come. For men shall be lovers of their own self. We are truly becoming what we are worshiping. And when we worship our own selves, we put ourselves up as gods uh, above the true and the living God. Oh, there's a there's a doctrine out there that we are little gods, honey. We're not gods with a big G. We're not gods with a little G. We're not gods at all. We are godlike in the sense that we were created in His image. We are a, a triune being. We have a spirit, soul, and body that will live eternally. But we are not gods. Gods, we are not God. <laughs> Hallelujah! Praise God! They asked one great uh, theologian, "What, what, what would he leave as a legacy, a statement uh, uh, that 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 young ministers going into ministry should embrace?" And he said, "There is a God, <laughs> and you're not Him." Amen. In other words, we bow to the true and the living God. The Apostle Paul said, we know what we worship. You don't know what you worship. In other words, they that that worship false gods don't know what they're worshiping. But we know who we are worshiping. Praise God. So when men reject God, they will worship false gods, gods of their own creation. These false gods basically fall into two categories. Number one is earthly and material gods. As an example of an earthly or material God is the God of wealth. This is illustrated in Job thirty one twenty four through twenty eight. Job thirty one twenty four through twenty eight. If I had made gold my hope or have said to the fine gold, thou art my confidence, if I rejoiced because my wealth was great, and because mine hand had gotten much, if I beheld the sun when it shined, or the moon walking in brightness, and my heart had been secretly enticed, or my mouth kissed my hand, this also was an iniquity to be punished by the judge, for I should have i should have I should have denied the God who is above, in other words, if I worship what I possess. If I worship my little world, if I go around kissing my own hand, I've denied God. But men do that, and they worship the gods of the material world. You know, that is what has happened in a message that is thriving and permeating many areas of the church world today. And that is that worshiping God is just for gain, earthly, temporal, material gain. And that's God's high calling for our life. No, dear Lord, dear friend of mine, that is not the high calling of God. No, the high calling is to become more and more like His Son and our Savior. Hallelujah. And not to let the love of things get in the way of that or the love of self get in the way of that. That is what the world is, is worshiping. We worship that that is eternal, that that is holy, that that is healthy for our soul. Praise God. There's a second area of worship, and that's heavenly supernatural gods that are not the true and the living God. Deuteronomy 4 in verse 14 through 19 says and gives an illustration. As the children of Israel were preparing to enter the promised land, Moses gave them the following warning, and the Lord God commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and ordinances, that you might do them in the land whether you go over to possess. Take ye therefore good heed to yourselves, that you saw no manner of similitude, in effect, form, representation, or image, on the day when the Lord spoke unto you in Horeb, out of the midst of the fire, lest you corrupt yourself and make you a carved image the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth, lest thou fill up thine eyes to, hev- lest thou lift up thine and lift up thine eyes to heaven. And when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars and even all the host of heaven, shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them. God is never, friend of mine, to be reduced to an image. Never. Now, if you think God as an old man with a beard sitting in a big chair, that's very wrong and very bad. Someone once said, idolatry doesn't begin with a hammer. It begins in the mind. When someone conceives of God in improper terms, he will ultimately cause God to be made in improper terms. The idolater who takes the hammer and chisel and forms a God out of wood forms a God in his mind to begin with. We should not have a visual con- concept of God whatsoever because He's never to be reduced to an image to do this is unacceptable worship. A friend of mine, the great, the great image of God that we have is when Jesus came down from heaven, condescended to be born in a manger, grew up to be a man, lived 33 years and went to the cross. And in those 33 years, he modeled God's character, God's nature. God is a spirit. But Jesus modeled his perfection of his person that we could get a grasp, the finite could get a grasp on the infinite. Jesus literally said, when you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Because the works I do are not mine. But what I see my Father do and the words I speak are not mine. But what I hear my Father say. Hallelujah. If we really want to, to know the true and the living God. Jesus modeled him perfectly. Hallelujah. So that we could begin to comprehend and understand that this glorious majestic almighty powerful being has a personality and has has a love and a grace and a tenderness all of this power and all of this glory and yet he looks upon us with love and compassion Oh, friend, it's almost too much to take in. And yet it is true. When you've seen Christ, you have seen the Father. Praise God. So the first kind of unacceptable worship here is the worship of false gods. And throughout the Old Testament, this is condemned. I want to draw a conclusion by looking at Isaiah 2, verse 6 through 10. Here is Isaiah's commentary on what was happening among the people. Therefore, thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they are filled with customs from the east and are soothsayers like the Philistines. And they pleased themselves in the, in the children of foreigners. In effect, they had allowed foreigners and their foreign gods to invade their thinking and their worship. Their land was full of silver and gold, neither is there any end to their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, neither there's any end to their chariots. And their land is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And the mean, or literally the common man, boweth down. And the great man humbleth himself, Therefore forgive them not. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust for fear of the Lord and the glory of His majesty. You see, God's people became idolaters and idolatrous. They even worshipped the sun. Ezekiel 8 and verse 16 says. The pagans worshipped anything they could think of. And the same thing is true today. Every religion that doesn't rightly discern God And worships a false god. Every materialist. Every irreligious atheist. And every agnostic. Who wouldn't even darken the door. Of a religious worship service. Some material god of his own invention. Is worshipped. Even if it's himself. It's all. Unacceptable to God. And ultimately. It will damn the soul. We will either. Come to know through Jesus Christ, the true and the living God, and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Or we will find ourselves worshiping the gods that are no gods. Man-made gods instead of the God who made man. And today I want to make it very clear and very sure you're going to continue to hear people come forward and say, Every religion. In fact, there was a there was a book that that was the bestseller on the New York bestsellers list many years ago about a woman who had an out of body experience when she was supposedly dead for a little while and came back to life. And I believe the title of it. Could be wrong. Don't quote me on this for sure, but I believe it was into the light and it it really caused a lot of people to want to see what to expect when we draw our last breath. Is there life after death? And this dear misinformed woman said that she went into the light and, and she met Jesus and Jesus told her that every world religion was of God, and every one was just a different path to the same God, contradicting everything that Jesus taught, everything that the apostles taught, everything that the prophets of old taught. So, Old and New Testament are in contradiction to what she just said don't know who she met but i do know this the new testament says and no marvel if satan himself be transformed as an angel of light his ministers as ministers of righteousness you see friend of mine this is a lie hatched in the pit of hell to to give people a false sense of security That whatever path they choose is going to lead to the same God, the same Savior. Don't know who she met, but I can tell you this. It wasn't the Christ of the Bible. It wasn't the Jesus that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If any man try to climb up another way, he is a thief and a robber. I forget who the minister was, but he was being interviewed uh, several years ago on one of the interview talk uh, shows, uh, and and he was asked by the host, "Don't you think it was it was prideful and, and don't you think it was was overstepping of Jesus to say that he was the only way to God?" And I love the answer. I love the the, the stand that he took publicly. It was against the grain. It's against what is politically correct uh, in our culture. And he said, not if it is true. It is not uh, being uh, narrow-minded. It is not being prideful to state the truth. And the truth is today, dear friend, there is no other Way to God. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. We should never apologize for that truth, because it took sinless blood to redeem sinful man. And that sinless blood was shed at the cross. And because this sacrifice that Jesus offered in our behalf is the sacrifice that God accepts and the only sacrifice that God would ever accept for our salvation. And we need to never wobble, wiggle on that. There's no wiggle room here. There's no way of, of accommodating uh, the culture uh, and the world uh, and, and be a Christian today. We have to be distinctive by standing on this great truth and never turn it loose. Praise God. I'm glad. You know, there is only one way to God. But if there was a thousand other paths to God, I would still choose Christianity. Because there's no love, greater love than this, hath no man. There's no God like our God, no Savior like our Jesus, no Sovereign like our King. Oh, oh, what a Savior we used to sing. Oh, hallelujah. And I pray that is your heart's song today. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Because if it is, (laughs) you will be a true worshiper and you will worship him from your heart. For God seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. And today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I believe, I know that he is knocking at your heart's door. I know that He is calling you today because for this reason He came. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. See, the world is already condemned. The wrath of God already abides upon everyone who has sinned against the Lord. And we've all sinned. And come short of the glory of God. The scriptures declare. But there is an antidote. There is an answer. And today. If you will repent of your sin. And receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Turn from darkness to light. Turn from Satan to God. He will redeem you. He will restore you. He will seal you with the Holy Spirit and you can join those of us around the world that worship the true and the living God in spirit and in truth. And one day in heaven, in glorified bodies, where death will never touch us again and sin will never tarnish us again, we will be praising Him throughout all eternity. We'll never stop worshiping because we will be filled with such love and gratitude for the one who laid himself down to be nailed on that cross so he could save our soul. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Would you come back next week, dear friends, and let's talk about Jesus.